The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Right now on Fast, a major warning for Wall Street. A top-ranked market watcher says he's outright negative on stocks, even with the strong start we've seen to the year. J.P. Morgan's Marco Kalanovic is here to lay out his case for why the S&P 500 could test its October lows in the first half. Plus, Google under fire, the DOJ filing its second antitrust suit against the search giant in just over two years. The Biden administration wants to break up its online ad business. How does this bullseye in big tech impact investing in this sector? And later, senators slamming Live Nation over its botched sale of Taylor Swift concert tickets, saying Ticketmaster has a monopoly-like control over artists, venues, and consumers. But is this just the usual Senate saber-rattling? Will Live Nation just shake it off? Uh-huh. We'll debate that. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live from the Nasdaq Market Site. No bad blood on this desk tonight. <laughs> Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, Guy Dami, and Bono and Eisen are all here with me. We start off with a big bounce higher in Microsoft, the first of the big tech names to report earnings. The company saying revenue growth in its Azure cloud unit beat analyst expectations. The conference call starts in just about half an hour, so things could change a lot, especially once they drop guidance. CNBC's Steve Kovac is digging into the numbers. Steve. Yeah, that's right. We're still waiting to hear from guidance. It's going to be a while, but let's talk about what's sending shares higher after hours right now, Melissa. The big one, Azure cloud growth beating expectations at 31%, just a hair above the 30.8% expected. Now, before, investors would want to see a huge beat on Azure to send those shares higher, but expectations have fallen dramatically around this company and those foreign exchange headwinds and a reduced IT spend from small and medium businesses really hurting that right there, the growth rate of Azure. Also, a beat on EPS and just a slight miss on revenue at $52.75 billion. And revenue, though, only up 2% year on year. That's the slowest sales growth from Microsoft in six years or more. Report, this report paints a dire picture of consumer demand, too, Melissa. The more personal computing segment is down 19%. That includes businesses like Xbox, down 12%. But Windows revenue really took a hit, down 39%. And that's your sign right there. PC demand has collapsed after so much growth over the last few years during the pandemic. Now, like you said, we'll get guidance for the current quarter on the call starting at 530. And I'll be back with more for you, Mel. All right, Steve, I look forward to it. Thanks, yeah. Steve Kovac. Up 4%. All right. So, Tim, what do you think? Well, this is all about where we came from and where we came from in the last couple of weeks. When you, when you cut 4.5% of your workforce, you talk about a 1.2 charge, and you don't reaffirm. Suddenly, the analyst community got on top of that. We saw a bunch of downgrades going into this number. This, to me, is where we came from in the last two weeks. There's nothing in here to get. I mean, dire. Steve uses the word dire. I, I would just say some of this, the PC dynamics are, are well advised. The, the 24% intelligent cloud growth, I think, is still pretty strong. We knew these sales numbers were going to be weak. We know that Microsoft pulled a lot forward. Um, what do you want to pay for this company? You know, somewhere around 22, 23 times 2024 free cash flow 
is the number that I think the street is at. And I think much above that, it starts to get expensive. So isn't it expensive now, just about? It is somewhere in line. It is just north of that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, Tim just said, you know, it depends where you're coming from here. The NASDAQ is up, what, you know, close to... It's underperformed this year. Yeah, so it's massively underperformed. It came into the day unchanged. I suspect you see the stock sell off when they give the guidance because, you know, everything that Steve just mentioned that was reported in the quarter versus lowered expectations, they just got, I think he used the term smidge. I think that's a yeah. technical term. Mm. Was, everything was a smidge um, better. When you think about that 2% year-over-year um, year revenue growth, I mean, they haven't done that since 2017. So to me, I just think one of the takeaways Takeaways, I think, is interesting. Satya Nadella mentioned uh, in the note, we are committed to helping our customers use our platforms and tools to do more or less today and innovate in the future. And they're talking about these new AI tools. They're talking about that investment in open AI. I think this is going to be a big part of the next stage when they do start to reaccelerate. But I just don't think that you're going to have a one-quarter deceleration the way that they have on a year-over-year basis to be so, so weak. So I, I, let's see what they report when they guide for the current quarter and for the full year. But I suspect it's going to be a multi-quarter event. We've seen in the conference call we saw back in June. I mean, that the the earnings came out. The stock closed at 256. It was 242 in the after hours. Mm-hmm. We sat here, listened to the call. They said that we're not seeing demand destruction. Next thing you know, it's 258, and the broader market rallied along with it. Stock, I think, traded up to 300. So here we are. So the numbers that we haven't talked about. Dan makes fun of me, and he made fun of me before the show. Operating margins came in 38.7%. A year ago, same quarter, 43 percent and less than the street was looking for. But it's clear that the only thing I think the market is focused on is intelligent crowd cloud in the Azure revenue growth, which is up in constant currency, 38 percent year over year. All good things. Valuation matters, though. And this conference call is going to matter. And I got to tell you something. And Dan mentioned this a couple weeks ago and Jim Cramer brought it up on his show. Mm-hmm. That Satya Nadella interview he did in India on CNBC Asia he did not paint a particularly rosy picture going forward. No, but he does have, I mean, he could control the narrative a bit on the conference call, Bonwin, when it comes mm-hmm. to talking about um, the opportunity with its AI investment. I mean, analysts are all jazzed up about this, or investors in terms of the long term. And so if Satya Nadella is able to sort of, you know, really paint the picture of what Microsoft is after, what it sees with that, people can get very bullish on this one. Uh, possibly, but I, you know what, I'm kind of taking a step back and looking at this particular price action post earnings vis-a-vis what has happened with other tech names over the better part of the last three to four weeks. And Microsoft really hasn't had that that participation in the upside value that a lot of these other names do. And that's without me even stepping out on the risk curve and looking at the really highly leveraged beta type of names. So for me, this is kind of a proverbial sigh of relief. We were extremely concerned around Azure growth. That that came in you know, roughly in line with expectations, slightly above expectations. It wasn't a complete collapse. We had already expected weakness in PC demand. That was in line. There, I'm still curious to see what they're going to say about SMBs um, and, and stickiness around that customer base. But if you take a look at the price action today and compare it to what we've seen from other tech names, to me, this is really just people saying, okay, perhaps we got a bit too negative on the name, but I, I wouldn't read uh, as much into the positive one-day price action as a one-day move might suggest. Yeah, just taking a look at some of the other cloud names, you know, Amazon is up a little bit more than 3%. I mean, is this going to be enough to sort of give tech the halo, give tech a little bit of that sigh of relief that, that everybody is looking for, yearning for? 
Well, the, the big tech has had that halo for a couple of weeks now. I mean, the big tech has outperformed the S&P by about 5% since that December 28th rally that this current move. And this, we've been waiting for big cap tech. Some of this is the fact that interest rates have moved decidedly lower. There's seemingly this perception of, of safety there. Some of this is, is everything that came out today. Their business isn't falling apart. The one thing I'll say is that as your growth, and if you read you know, a handful of the analysts I look forward to the one we're about to talk to, um, I was reading the UBS report. They've got Azure growth by the end of 23, uh, the deck quarter in 23, down to 24%. So let's see where we go. I still get back to pricing power at some point in a very competitive, at some point commoditized space doesn't hold up. Yeah, I'll just say this. I mean, Guy just mentioned Satya out of the gate saying it's going to be a very difficult couple of years, you know. And so um, I would just be really surprised um, to see guidance that gets uh, too far ahead of that for the full year. I think that we're going to see death by a thousand cuts with a lot of these things. We're seeing companies do things on the cost side. We're seeing them come in and meet lower guidance. So, like, for me, I think that they probably notch guidance down just a little bit. They're not going to kitchen sink anything. And I think that a lot of these guys are probably cautiously optimistic that that pull forward that they saw in 2020 and 21, you know, the deceleration that we're just starting to kind of realize right now, it's not going to be that deep and that long. And therefore, you don't have to guide for too much longer than the current period and then come in and the guidance is going to get, get you know, beaten as the analysts come in line a little bit. So to me, I just don't think we're going to see a huge downgrade. And if we did, I think you'd see tech across the board get lights out. I mean, that would be it for the next couple of quarters. We have experienced a situation where companies came out, they gave their guidance, and then a couple of weeks later when things changed uh, quickly, mm-hmm. they issued, you know, revisions to their guidance. Pretty in short order, a few weeks, a month. Without question, we've seen that. I mean, Microsoft. With one Microsoft. The, yeah, that's yeah. what I was just going to say. We've seen that. And again, the conference call is going to matter. It typically does with Microsoft. Again, I, I've said this. I think it's one of the three or four most important companies in the world. It was a it was a fine quarter. You are seeing deceleration though across a number of businesses. People looking at cloud, which I think is 40 percent of revenue or so, and say, you know what, if the growth is there, that's good enough for us. Buy first, ask questions later. But you are seeing a slowdown in most of their other business, if not all of their other business. Well, that's been where all the growth has come from. So it's 42 percent of the business. It's 100 percent of the year over year growth. I think that's but, but I, let's be clear. I mean, mega cap tech and this is a we're going to have a, a really great Marco conversation a little bit, Marco Kalanovich from J.P. Morgan. Uh, you know, the, the, what big cap tech is doing here, if you're a market bull, is very interesting because you can't rally from here without big cap tech. And that's what we've had. So then what's the read through in your eyes, uh, Bonoin, from these Microsoft results so far? I mean, granted, we don't have guidance yet. Um, I, I'm, I'm with Guy in terms of this is one of the most important companies. And it, we talk about margin of safety again. That, you know, we're talking about Azure and we're looking at that for growth. But there is a, a pocket of investors that are looking at Microsoft because of the perceived margin of safety. So cash on hand and free cash flow is still there. Uh, I mean, the read through is really going to be what multiple we're willing to pay for the company. Where is growth coming? And if that disappoints, then you might see this thing trade down from, I believe it's around 26 and a half to perhaps 24, 25. Uh, you know, that's still a premium to the market. And there's a debate to be had whether or not it should continue to trade at such a rich premium, particularly if you look at a lot of the re-rating that's happened in technology. It hasn't yet happened because earnings have fallen out of bed. And it's happened purely because uh, price to earnings ratios have come in and ratcheted down. And, and so that's the read through that I'm looking um, from from Microsoft. All right. Conference call gets underway in 20 minutes. We'll have much more in Microsoft then. Meantime, an apparent technical issue at the New York Stock Exchange created massive volatility in some widely held names this morning. Stocks like AT&T, Uber, Verizon, Eli Lilly and McDonald's all seeing wild swings early in the session, prompting the exchange to halt trading in those names. 
251 tickers in all were affected. The NICE issuing a statement saying that due to a system issue, the NICE did not conduct opening auctions in a subset of its listed securities, resulting in the stocks opening at very different prices. The exchange is investigating what caused the glitch. They said a small number of trades were canceled. Others were marked as aberrant, meaning they will be left standing, but will not be used to determine the day's highs and lows. This was all in the first, what, 20 minutes of yeah. trading, and then everything went back to normal like that. What what crossed your mind when you saw some of those swings? Well, you know, you're inside my head, so you know. I mean, I always think it's something nefarious and something far worse going on. You know, were they hacked? What's going on? I Bad she actors ta- she, out there. She called on you when, when the term aberrant was yeah. brought up. Well, I didn't know what the oh, word means, so I sort of slid right past. <laughs> <laughs> but with that said, I mean, they're going to explain it. I will tell you, though, it's worth mentioning, nobody really explained what happened in May of 2010 either ah, when we saw the flash crash. crash. So, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll chalk it up to system error or something like that. Again, I think there's something else going on that we'll learn about later. If, if you're someone that follows candlestick charts, I mean, you have some fascinating oh, kind of intraday uh, candles to light. I, I, you know, I'll call this aberrant. Um, whatever the, the, the reason is, at the end of the day, we have seen a handful of these moments over the last couple of years. Uh, didn't change anything I did today. Yeah. Coming up, a big tech crackdown as the Justice Department goes after Google again. The latest charges and what it means for the uh, investing in the sector. Plus two stock calls catching our eyes. Lyft and Lulu both getting some analyst attention. But which of these names is a buy? Don't go anywhere. Fast Money's back in two. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. The Department of Justice filing its second antitrust lawsuit against Google in just over two years. Attorney General Merrick Garland alleging that the tech giant has used anti-competitive tactics in its advertising business for the past 15 years, violating the Sherman Act. A move follows a 2020 suit which targeted Google's alleged monopoly power to stifle competition in the online search market. Shares of Alphabet falling more than 2% today. It is the government's latest show of force trying to let big tech know it doesn't want to see these companies get bigger and more powerful. CNBC's Eamon Javers has been tracking this story as well as the reaction. Eamon. 
Hey there, Melissa. Well, the DOJ's 153-page filing traces Google's history in the ad business all the way back to its 2008 $3 billion acquisition of DoubleClick, and it alleges that the company tried to create what they call a moat around its advertising business that's harmed both advertisers and publishers for years. Attorney General Merrick Garland said the Department of Justice is simply enforcing the law. No matter the industry and no matter the company, the Justice Department will vigorously enforce our antitrust laws. We will aggressively protect consumers, safeguard competition, and work to ensure economic fairness and opportunity for all. Now, Google's parent company responded with a statement after, uh, this afternoon saying today's lawsuit from the DOJ attempts to pick winners and losers in the highly competitive advertising technology sector. It largely duplicates an unfounded lawsuit by the Texas attorney general, much of which was recently dismissed by a federal court. Now, this is all part, as you say, of a much more aggressive effort to challenge the technology industry. Just last week, we saw President Biden publish an op-ed in The Wall Street Journal. He's accusing big tech of a wide range of misdeeds. In it, he said, when tech platforms get big enough, many find ways to promote their own products while excluding or disadvantaging competitors or charge competitors a fortune to sell on their platform. My vision for our economy is one in which everyone, small and mid-sized businesses, mom and pop shops, entrepreneurs, can compete on a level playing field with the biggest companies. Now, Melissa, this is just the opening salvo of all this, of course, so this dispute is not going to be settled anytime soon. Back over to you. Eamon, thank you. Eamon Javers in Washington for us. Um, Eamon used the word build a moat. I mean, that's what every single business in the world tries to do when it's building its business. Um, putting that aside, though, I mean, on top of this, on top of the two suits against Google in the past two years or so, you know, there's also the action brought by the FTC to block Microsoft Activision, which has been held up for the past year. So there's really this sort of far-reaching effort to just stop big tech from getting any bigger, Dan. Well, it's funny. You know, I, I guess it really comes down, what are the remedies, right, when you think about this? I mean, uh, you know, is, is it non-competitive? That's one thing, okay? If it's disadvantaging consumers, that's another thing. There's really Really no evidence right now that Amazon's monopoly that they have in e-commerce, that, that their monopoly in, in digital search that is disadvantaging consumers. And I think when investors have been looking at the overhang about regulatory, there's been a lot of, you know, kind of shots across the bow at this, and none of them really stuck, right? And so if the remedies are not going to be that big, I, you know, um, I think that, you know, these guys will probably figure out how to move on by this. And I actually don't think it'll probably hurt competition. I don't think any of the remedies are going to be like breaking up this company or anything like that. They've had a bullseye on their back for years. A lot of big tech has. Tim points out correctly, and we've said it, you want to break up my, uh, Google, that's fine. Break it up. It's worth a lot more some of the parts than it is probably trading wherever it's trading right now. I mean, this just stock made a multi-year low back in early November, 83. It's rallied probably 18% since then. I think the report earnings on the 2nd of February. I mean, you talk about a stock you can wrap your head around on valuation. I think it's Google, despite all the things we're talking about on the legal front. We've sat here time and time again where there's some sort of lawsuit, there's some sort of investigation, there's some sort of something alleging some kind of anti-competitive, antitrust sort of practices, Tim, and it's always been nothing for the stock. In this particular case, though, could it be a little bit more serious? Because if you make Google, or I should say Alphabet, divest its ad tech, that platform from search... What is search then 
for Google in terms of revenue? I, I, first of all, this, this is so much better. Uh, this is a more comprehensive case that's been brought than the different states. So this is a, a certainly a, a, a more comprehensive moment uh, and, and a bigger moment, I think, than all of the other ones. Um, it appears they don't feel like they can go after the buy side. They're going after the sell side of their business. And I think that's you know something that's notable. So again, you go after the part that actually is either um, you know a more public outcry or a part that you can actually win on, because it seems like on the, on the buy side, it's actually still reasonably competitive. Bono, and do you look through this? I think you do. I mean, I think the frequency of these uh, of these suits definitely makes you raise your eyebrows. And I think the, the Microsoft Activision deal and the scrutiny that it's under also makes you take a second look. But the fact of the matter is, until they're able to really um, drill down into the technicalities of where the violations have happened, and it's and as Dad said. What is the cure? There has to be damages, and the cure has to be exorbitant for this to really matter. And I think at, at 19 and a half times, I think Google is actually a pretty compelling long side story. All right. There's a lot more Fast Money to come. Here's what's coming up next. Driving high and stretching low. Why analysts are ready to roll on rideshare, but are skipping yoga class. The details next. Plus, the earnings keep rolling in as investors await another keypad decision. So how should you position your portfolio as stocks continue to swing? A top strategist lays out his bear case next. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Call the day on Lyft. KeyBank upgrading the stock to an overweight analyst growing bullish in the wake of the company's aggressive cost-cutting measures. Seeing an opportunity for meaningful growth this year, the stock firmly in the green for most of the day, but lost steam into the close to end nearly a percent lower. Shares are still, though, up almost 40 percent this year. Tim. Well, I'm a Lyft shareholder. Yep. It's the Ellen Lags. Uh, it's it's a story that I say is idiosyncratic to whatever cyclicality we may or may have in this economy. They've advised on a billion in EBITDA by 24. That may or may not happen. I think the biggest place for this company to improve is management communication. This. The analyst community is very inappropriately, I think, critical of this management team. I think the information to the markets has been awful, um, and we've made some changes, and, and I think their business has to get better. Um, I stay long, uh, even after a big move like that. You've had uh, two or three 30%-plus moves in this stock since the lows, um, but I think it's really starting to show something. Lags. It's one of Lags. the acronyms It's the L. It's the can vote. Oh, today, that's... today is the last day. The cutoff point is Somebody's way out in front Eastern today. Time. Some, it's today. Some, it's exciting. Today. It's the last day to vote for the Acronyms. It's like 35 TSLQ, minutes. Get on there. Whatever yours on there. is. You know, don't be a Weisenheimer. <laughs> cle- if you oh, go to the no. website, there's clearly somebody. It's like secretariat 
and a number of after rands. Yeah, this. Somebody's really yeah. somebody's out racing ahead, out in front. Way. So. Can I just say one thing on this lift? So this was the L in my TLSQ, and, and really yeah. at the time I was thinking that this was near the lows. It was about ten bucks, and I was thinking to myself, you know what? I think there's going to be some strategic M and A. You look at the enterprise values below four billion dollars, um, and that could still happen. I don't love to see in a month a stock go from ten to fifteen. And Tim, you just said if they make those EBITDA, you know, I mean, like they're not likely to, right? Like like on a, on a gap basis, they're still losing a lot of money here. So I think that you just don't want to see these stocks run too far too fast in front of results in a in a, in a still a difficult I think I think what Dan just said is that the Ellen is, is TLSQ is not what you want to vote for, but that the Ellen lags may actually be. <laughs> go for lags, to people. Go for. <laughs> I, it's not going to make any difference. Same. You can yeah. go there right now and yeah. vote 100 times in a row. I don't think it's going to move the Somebody's needle. Somebody's running away with it. You. You, can, you can stuff the oh, ballot box. I voted many times. For Karen. Mr. Mojo Rising over there. Mr. Mojo Rising. Apparently didn't do any good. Not a boy. Um, <laughs> we still have until 6 o'clock, half an hour. Turning to a buzz kill on Lululemon. Shares slumping a percent and a half after Bernstein downgraded the stock to underperform, saying earnings growth should slow this year due to cooling demand and a weaker consumer. Lulu underperforming other retailers so far in 2023. The stock is down 2.5% this year, while the XRT retail ETF has surged nearly 10%. Had a lot of inventory bottling. That's a problem. Yeah, we, we definitely got to read through early on this with the inventory and the subsequent stock sell-off there. And I, I must say, the only company that I've seen really do this in a very meaningful way is Nike. They are able to kind of churn through um, churn through inventory there. But I, the difference is that they were able to completely restructure in a way that allowed them to come more DTC in a meaningful way and kind of right the ship there. So I expect there to be continued downward pressure on Lulu. I will say, if you start to look at valuation, it has really started to cheapen up. So you might, you know, look for a place to start nibbling. But this has been head and shoulders above other retailers. And I expect that competitive advantage to start to shrink as we see it f- start to feel the same pressures that we've seen other companies in the space feel. Guy? 290 is the price target they put on it. That makes sense if you look at it. Bonwin's right. I mean, at least valuations are getting more reasonable. But they tried to explain away, I think it was an 84% inventory year over year. I mean, you can't explain that away. I mean, that's just, that's catastrophic. You stop buying? Pardon me? You stop buying? I, I'm, I'm done because <laughs> once I get it, thing once I get a cadre. What is he buying? I wash them, though. Which is important. I mean, that's just, you know, that's one-on-one stuff. Inventory build was too much. $1.9 billion, which is like six-month worth of sales or something crazy. It's going to go to 290 I think. Maybe take a look at it there. I mean, what does one do with all that inventory? I mean, I'm asking this seriously because it's, wholesalers don't pick up Lululemon stuff. So they just mark it down or they write it down? Well, I, I, I think Lulu, part of the brand and part of the brand power is they've made this non-ubiquitous. You don't find this right. at TJ Maxx, et cetera, and they need to do that. Um, I, I like the call. I'm actually, I have a tactical short in Nike. I, I just think you have a case where uh, these, these bulletproof, top of the food chain, uh, discretionary companies have been priced to perfection. Uh, it doesn't change their business. They're still top of the food chain. It could trade cheaper. Yeah, think about this. I mean, what did Tesla just do? They just lowered their prices and they saw demand come back. They mm-hmm. sell $66 men's running shorts or $120 yoga pants. Or, you know, I mean, it, there, there's a, a lower price point for these things. But to your point, they don't find them. They don't find themselves to TJ Maxx, so they may be stuck in a very difficult high-end consumer discretionary environment. Do you wear fancy while. running shorts, guys? Pardon me. You, I mean, you know, when you go. For a jog, I don't want to on... know about anybody's All right. shorts. Let's, let's Clearly, no, Tim no. does, though. No, I don't. No. <laughs> Anti-hero no, the hill. Cut-offs. Let's go on. <laughs> Senators grilling Live Nation execs over the Taylor Swift ticketing, ticket master fiasco. Can the stock shake it off? 
or is there more bad blood in store? And J.P. Morgan's Marco Kalanovic joins us next to lay out a big warning for the market. He is, quote unquote, outright negative on stocks. That's straight ahead. Fast Money's back in two. Get your trades to go with the Fast Money Podcast. Catch us anytime, anywhere. Follow today on your favorite podcasting app. We're back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Another check on markets today. The Dow gaining 104 points. The S&P 500 virtually flat and the Nasdaq dipping a fraction of a percent. The muted activity coming as investors get ready for big tech earnings. Microsoft unofficially kicking things off for the group. The stock rising the extended hours after delivering a top line beat. Microsoft's cloud unit showing solid growth, but revenue coming in slightly below street estimates. The earnings call is just kicking off a lot of the biggest headlines as soon as they hit. Meantime, Texas Instruments, a volatile after hours. It also reported quarterly results for the close. After the close, the chipmaker beating expectations, posting revenue of $4.67 billion. And take a look at Capital One dropping in the extended hours as fourth quarter results missing fact set estimates. All right, JP Morgan making a major move earlier this month, cutting its market stock market exposure to underweight from overweight institutional investor. Hall of Famer Marco Kalanovic is here behind the call. He's the firm's chief market strategist, co-head of Global Research. Marco, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We were just talking about how difficult it is to make a call like this, especially mm-hmm. at this point when stocks are going higher. So what is the primary driver behind this? So, you know, short-term interest rate moved a lot in the last six months, and they'll probably still go a bit higher and stay there. Uh, you know, consumer took a lot of debt. Interest, mm-hmm. interest rates went up. Um, consumer was resilience, uh, resilient, and, and that was a sort of our thesis last year that corporate and consumers are very resilient. But as the time progresses, they're less and less resilient. So we do think that we will uh, have a recession. The question is whether it's a mild or less mild, uh, both here in the U.S. and in Europe. So sort of as the time passes, we think that fundamentals are deteriorating, you know, and the market has been moving up, you know, like, so that has to clash at some point. Yeah, it feels almost like investors just are hoping that things won't be as bad. Mm-hmm. The recession will be mild. We've heard that for time and time mm-hmm. again from CEOs at this point saying, you know what, we don't see things as being that bad. It's almost like people want to be lazy long at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, how would you characterize the market action yourself? It's, it's a little bit like that. So there is a little bit of sort of uh, um, a, a, a technical move higher, you know, like the trend followers started covering shorts, adding some longs. Volatility, VIX declined a lot, below 20. So declining VIX usually brings some inflows, some systematic, some discretionary. You know, then people start believing in narratives that things will be better. We have a China, which gives a little bit of a sentiment. Dollar is weaker. So I think that created this narrative that kind of worse is behind us. Kind of recession is over. Or recession happened some, somehow magically last year, and now we're about to grow, which, which we don't agree. We see, actually, if you look at all of these data, like ISM, the regional surveys like Empire, Philly, Richmond, they're all kind of going lower. So for me, question is, what's going to make this survey turn up, you know, these, these data points turn up, you know, and, and, and I don't see that happening un, unless Fed cuts. And Fed doesn't have an intention to cut now, you know, so I do think things have to get worse before they get better. Mm. So the VIX, mm-hmm. I'm puzzled at a 20 mm-hmm. VIX here, so mm-hmm. I, I hear you on that. But you often cite investor positioning. You guys mm-hmm. are great at this. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, there's a lot of cash out there. There's also, you know, if you look at the economy, and this is a different metric, but you've got 2.6 trillion yeah. in new China savings that yeah. you know, suddenly could get unleashed. No, th- that's what makes it tough, right? Because positioning is not that high, you know? And, th- and that's a bullish argument, you know? And that's an argument that we kind of used extensively last yeah. year and didn't kind of save us. Position was, was low already 
in, in June, July last year, and we yep. still went to lows, you know, like so. But I agree, if on a positive side, positioning is not that high, and that's, I think, it makes it difficult. That's why it makes it painful, and market kind of drifts higher, because there is a little bit of that positioning pain or, or ability to re-rate as the volatility comes down, you know. But overall, we do think the direction of economy is south. You know, and, and at some point that will have to, you know, corporate CEO may say like things look fine now, but are they going to be fine in three, six or nine months? Mm-hmm. And market should look a little bit ahead of that. Marco, what's the math around earnings for this? I think Mike Wilson, his low ends 180. You're starting to see mm-hmm. more and more people ratchet mm-hmm. down their S&P mm-hmm. 500 numbers. What are yours? So, look, we are at 205. It's, it's, it's a tricky, right? So if we are at 205, which sort of prices in mild recession, right? So now if there is no recession, which, again, we don't think that that's the case, but if there's no recession, it's probably <clears throat> 225, 230. If there is a recession, it could be more along what Mike is saying. It could be another, you know, 10% lower, so call it 180, 190. So we are, we are sort of in between, you know. Uh, so very mild recession, that's what we are pricing in. Now, we can be wrong both ways. It can be worse or it can be a bit better if we avoid recession. But we do uh, think it's 200 and then 205, and then multiple is, is a little bit high now, mm-hmm. given that the Fed is still moving higher. It doesn't sound like your, your PE matches with what you foresee for the economy, though. I mean, if you, if you say the 205 reflects a mild mm-hmm. recession, and the indicators that you take a look at mm-hmm. indicate that anything, everything's going to go south mm-hmm. even more, that doesn't say to me mild. Yeah, it, it, you're right. You know, like, so that's why what we are projecting, and it, and it is a little bit convoluted. So we think things first turn south, get much worse, then Fed quickly cuts Oh. You know, or, or reacts or, or, or signals cutting, and that basically inflects us higher. You know, like so. So we still are hoping that there's going to be some backstop in, in the in the. Uh, you know, so when you look at all these data kind of rolling off, like yeah, if if, if they're left unchecked at five percent plus interest rates, it would be much worse, more along the lines what some of our competitors are saying. But we think at some point they'll they'll backstop it. You know, like so. The big question is where is it. 3,600, 3,400, 3,200, sort of, we don't have a very strong conviction, but we do think lower is the direction. Right. Marco, when you think of your 205 mm-hmm. S&P for, for this year, I mean, think about these large multinationals make up mm-hmm. a big part of that, right? And so right now we're waiting for Microsoft's guidance right mm-hmm. here. And so what are the incentives, especially with the dollar that you just mm-hmm. mentioned that's so weak? And that was mm-hmm. one of the reasons why they warned, let's say, six to nine months ago. Um, do they have any incentives, these major companies, just, just to inch it out, like quarter by quarter, rather than just kind of take big cuts? So that could be a path that we basically we just gradually deflate, get rid of some of the excesses, the dollar stays a, a, a tailwind at these lower levels. Uh, so that's this sort of a soft landing scenario where, whereby consumer can kind of, you know, still, still, still survive next call, it's six to 12 months, you know. It's, it's possible, it's a risk to our base case scenario. You know, I happen to think that, you know, there is usually some, uh, contagion or something that happens unexpected, you know, um, one thing leads to another, and market a little bit kind of front runs all of those developments. So I, I think it's less likely that you have this type of very soft, gradual range-bound market until we are ready to rally, let's say, in 2024. You know, so it, it's possible. In that case, we are not going to be right. But fundamental to your turnaround is the, is the idea that the Fed will flinch. In some way, ultimately the yes. Fed will just back it's, down and give in to the markets. That, that's what my view, and, yeah. and again, you remember you know, 475 or 5 or 525, I don't think there's too much of a difference, actually. But last time we had this type of rates were in 2007, you know, and, and, and then they went to zero after that, right? So, so I just don't think 
that 5% rate, we can have this economy functioning and the financial markets and all the changes that happen in, in the markets, be it leverage in the markets, be it private asset classes, ventures, venture capital, private equity, all those things. I don't think they can coexist at 5% long term. So I think something will have to give and Fed will need to flinch. All right. Marco, great to see you. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Uh, Bodwin, where do you stand on all this? Um, I, I, very interesting in terms of the Fed flinching. I mean, ult- ultimately, at some point, they will cut. Um, you know, and I, I tend to be in the other camp there. But he, he mentioned two things that I thought were very important. He charted uh, a lot of the, the Dow and non-tech names um, over the course of the last 12 to 24 months. And you see that they've been relatively flat year over year versus the NASDAQ being the one that's been the massive laggard, which shows, again, that price to earnings compression. Um, I think the other thing that, that uh, along the lines of positioning, which was very interesting, when you start to drill down in terms of pension funding and, and how the moves and rates might, leave to, uh, might lead to a large rotation out of equities into fixed income that's historically been 1% and 2% that he's positing could be as high as 3 to 6%. That would result in $1 to $2 trillion of outflow. So I thought he made some very compelling points there. Um, and and I, I do agree with him that we're likely headed lower. We've been rallying on negative news that at some point, bad news is, in fact, bad news. Well, you could make an argument this market is, is surprised a lot of people to, in its sure. resilience. In fact, this reversion trade, um, it's either very long in the tooth and about to revert the other way. Um, but again, this is kind of that sentiment dynamic. I mean, you, you have to respect the price action in the mega cap tech stocks. You have to respect the fact that uh, there's a lot of uh, places I think you can be long and make money in 23. But Microsoft tonight tells you exactly. If the top line's not growing, and we said this, you know, guys said lowest numbers, Dan said it in six years, 2% top line growth year over year, you can't support valuations here if that's where you are. You know, we're not strategists. We get a lot of heat for, you know, always negative, blah, blah, which, okay, maybe there's some truth that I'm not sure. But when somebody like Mike Wilson comes out and then Marco, who's on the Mount Rushmore, he's in the Parthenon with the rest of these folks, makes a call like that, which, you know, I don't want to talk about career risk for his level. It's a bit hyperbolic, but it's not easy to make a call like that. But you know what? He's, he's agnostic in terms of the data and the data suggests these are where things are going. Coming up, the Taylor ticket debacle. Why senators are telling Ticketmaster to look in the mirror and say, I'm the problem, it's me. The latest out of Capitol Hill next. Plus, options traders placing their bets in Las Vegas Sands ahead of results tomorrow. So is this casino stock worth a gamble? The details straight ahead, back in two. There are still a few minutes oh, left man. on your favorite trader acronym. Are you keeping calm with Bonowin? Or do you think Tim's lags will be a leader? We want to know. All the picks are on our homepage. You can pick your three favorites. Pick by picture, pick by acronym. Whatever you want, you can vote often, too. Um, head on over to cmc.com slash fastmoney or scan the QR code on your screen right now to go vote. Polls close at the end of our show. you got 15 minutes here. Moving on, Congress can't shake it off. Senators slam Live Nation over the botched Taylor Swift ticketing fiasco on the Hill. Our Julia Borston joins us now with all the details. Julia. Hey, Melissa, senators from both sides of the aisle coming together to question Live Nation about whether its ownership of Ticketmaster, which controls about 70 percent of all ticketing, disadvantages artists and consumers. Live Nation CFO and President Joe Birchtold disagreed, saying that his company is not anti-competitive. Why is it that you cannot identify a bot attack? Ticketmaster has lost, not gained, market share since the merger. And as I mentioned, today's competitive bidding process with numerous credible alternative ticketing companies 
resulting in getting less of the economic value in a ticketing contract every year. Berktold apologized to fans about Taylor Swift's ticketing issues, saying that the real source of the problems were bots and scalpers, and they're working to do better with those issues. But many of the senators took issues with his defense. Why is it that you cannot identify a bot attack? You told me yesterday you have a hard time distinguishing between a bot attack and a consumer. But the local power company down here that is not the billion-dollar company you are, they can tell when they've got a bad actor in their system. Berktold rejecting the call to break up Ticketmaster and Live Nation. Instead, he called for laws to tackle ticket scalping and the like. Melissa? Julia, thank you. Julia Borston, Tim Seymour, I know you got a lot of thoughts on this. Well, you know, it's about time. This is not going away. And and I I think there was, uh, however we described where their market share is, I think it's they they understated their market share. Um, I think there is credence in the defense that. Uh, the venues are getting well paid and that the venues are part of this. But uh, the control that they have and, and the biggest dynamic that I think ultimately regulators should look at is the dissent decrees that they agreed to in this merger that are seemingly not being abided to. And again, I won't state that they're not. I'll say um, those are the things people should be looking into. But the fact that the consumer, it's one thing when the artists uh, and and some of the venues, and again, talk about dominating and controlling distribution and talk about artists that are scared to come forward because they don't want to mess with the bully. And that is what exists right now. I'm talking about major bands that are not willing to speak out because there is no place to go when the distribution's controlled. So this issue's not going to go away. Yeah, okay. Well, it's interesting, though, just the numbers in terms of the stock. I think they report middle of February or so, so you got some time. But you know, you're talking about stock to trade 60 times next year's numbers. Okay, that's expensive, except that you probably have close to 55% EPS growth. Trades are basically a one-time revenue, so it's not an expensive stock given the huge sell-off it's had. And you wonder, and we go back in history, when you see things like this, events like today, that typically is, at least in the short term, a bottom for names like this. So then that, that means that there is no belief that there is a breakup risk or anything like that. In, I, I don't nation. think it happens. I, you, know, right. you know, that's another story. I think it's a trade. You're getting long the stock here on the back of this. Okay. Coming up, what happens in the options pit stays in the options pits. Traders eyeing Las Vegas Sands for a move post earnings tomorrow. So how should you play the results? The action when Fast Money returns. Welcome back. Here's a sneak peek at the Kramer cam. Jim is talking with the CEO of Logitech. Catch the full exclusive interview at the top of the hour on Mad Money. Now to the casino trade. Las Vegas Sands on deck to report results after the bell tomorrow. The stock having its best start to a year since 2019. And one options trader is betting the numbers. Could LVS uh, could give it even more of a boost? Mike Coase has the action. Mike. Yeah, so right now, the options market is implying a move of about 5% by the end of the week after they report earnings. That's in line with the move that we've seen over the last eight reported quarters. The most active contract were the Feb 3rd weekly 56 strike calls. That was largely the result of 1,500 of the 5660 call spreads that traded in that expiration for 87 cents. A buyer of that call spread is looking for a move of 25 to 8% to the upside uh, by the end of next week. Now, what's interesting about this to me is that the upside break-even is 56.87. The average analyst price target right now is 56.88. And this stock is up 60% from those October lows, $20. So if one is long the stock, and they're going to report after the close tomorrow, 
this is a very low cost way to give yourself some upside participation after the run that we've seen. Bonoan, what'd you make of this action? Uh, I'd be more inclined to likely take profits here. It's had one uh, a pretty amazing run. With that said, if you do want to kind of press that long, I think optionality is the way to do that in a short-term basis so that you're risking a small amount of premium. This had been your uh, was, acronym from last year. No, this was a mod. Not to be confused. It was the Ellen Live. Oh, Liv, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, people. Right, right, I mean, right, let's, right. you know. Look at you look at me, you get mad at me. I am sitting here minding my own Was that business. in Dawn? Was that in Dawn? W in Dawn was win. the casinos. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was last year anyway. There are a lot of acronyms right now. In your head. Vote for. Vote. Yeah, you should still vote. You should vote. You still vote often. Six minutes. You like Do you like I like Vegas Sands. I think the Macau-centric casinos at this point for the reasons we've talked about with the reappointment of their licenses and what's going on in China, uh, but also on valuation. This isn't expensive. I, it's been a big run. Um, I was selling 60 calls out to February. Uh, I still think there's some room beyond that, but I think you can get paid to do that with the move it's had. Um, the valuation is still probably half on EBITDA to pre-COVID levels. All right, Mike, thanks uh, for more options. Mike has an acronym, too, for which you can vote. You've got six. You should. Yeah. yeah. Um, full show tomorrow, uh, Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. By the way, we have not forgotten about Microsoft. The conference call is about uh, 24 minutes in right now. No guidance so far. The stock is still holding on to a gain, but off the best levels of the session after our session is up by two and a half percent right now. Right now. Up next, final trades. Welcome back to Fast Money. Let's get another check in on shares of Microsoft. Took a little leg lower, uh, but back up again. Almost 4% right now. No guidance so far. Let's get back to Steve Kovac, who's been listening in. Steve. Yeah, but, but Mel, we did get some color from CEO Satya Nadella about these disappointing results, especially on the consumer side. He said PC sales have gone back to pre-pandemic levels. Remember, we saw that surge in PC demand during the last couple of years. That, according to Nadella, has fallen. But he did brag a lot about usage, saying that people are using their PCs per PC 10% more than they were before. So even though there aren't as many, uh, they're not collecting as much fees off these Windows licensing, they're seeing increased usage and increased upgrades to the latest version of Windows. Also on the gaming side, they said there are hitting record number of users there, 120 million uh, users on the Xbox Game Pass. That's their, street, their service for um, a library of games that you can play. And look, that is a really important metric for them, too, because their whole thing is about with Xbox is about getting people locked in and playing those games and playing that subscription service for that recurring revenue. Mel, uh, hopefully we'll get guidance soon. But that is uh, that's where we're at right now so far, Mel. All right, Steve. Thanks. Thank Steve you. Kovac. Uh, we're back uh, back to after our session highs, basically 4.2% is a gain. Uh, Guy, what would you be listening for besides No, I mean, that's it. It seems to fly in the face of what he said, what is it, two and a half or three weeks? So I don't want to say flies in the face, but he's definitely walked some stuff back. So my question, my first question would be, has anything fundamentally changed since the interview you did three or so weeks ago? All right, it is time now for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Bono wins. Uh, VIX, whether you think that you want to put on protection or you want to press longs, I'd be doing it through optionality. Tim. The A in the LAGS acronym is for airlines, which you can can still, and you could actually still vote. It would be a shame to finish in the basement, people. Um, So uh, Jets, ETF, airlines going higher. Dan. Well, I'm on the other side of that, just, you know, on the Jets. There you Uh, go. Not even an acronym. It's just an ETF. I would not be chasing Microsoft here. I think it probably retests 220 soon. 
guy. Love, I love these. But the poles are the best thing. Yeah, I mean, they are. fun. And can we, it's a nail biter. Who's the guy with the khakis? Maybe we could have him. Steve Kornacki. He should <laughs> do the, the fast oh, money pole. Yeah. DHI, good first quarter and better love guidance Kornacki. for the second quarter. Thanks for watching Fast Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.